Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast, but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, these 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Vanessa Sardi to talk about her experience with Farm Over Pharma. Vanessa is a certified health and nutrition coach with a unique perspective on health and wellness. She has a master's degree in cardiopulmonary physiology, a bachelor's in sports medicine, clinical work in cardiopulmonary rehabilitation, and research sales positions in pharmaceutical and gene expression testing. Wow, that is a lot there. Vanessa has a passion for nutrition and helping others to live healthy, fueled by her background and consistent studies. When Vanessa realized that more pills wasn't the answer to better health, she walked away from her cushy salary as an executive sales rep for one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world to start her own business, Nutriception. As a certified health and nutrition coach, she is now driven to help people get off their meds, many of which she promoted herself, and improve their health via a whole foods, plant-based lifestyle. Vanessa's slogan says it all, farm over pharma. Welcome to the show today, Vanessa. Hey, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'm excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? 
Absolutely. So I I was on a path towards medical school, actually. Uh, I lost wow. my yeah, I lost my grandfather when I was in the eighth grade. I was very, very close to him, and he died of uh, cardiovascular disease. And it was at that moment in time that I decided that for the rest of my life, I wanted to help people who had cardiovascular disease. Mm. So the path I was on was leading me straight to medical school. I was pre-med. Uh, I got my master's in cardiovascular physiology. But then I got offered a really awesome position as the chief cardiovascular physiologist at a rehab center back in New Orleans, where uh, I'm from. Uh-huh. So I couldn't pass that up because I was already doing some internships in cardiac and pulmonary rehab, and I, and I loved it. So I jumped on that and said, oh, I'll just put medical school on hold uh, and go experience this position. Well, once I got there, I, I, I fell in love with my patients. I fell in love with what I did. It uh-huh. was so incredibly rewarding to watch people just improve their health over time. So I stopped working there when the physicians were forced to shut the clinic down because Medicare shifted reimbursement policies. And so the doctors that owned the clinic were losing money and they were forced to shut down. Wow. We had a meeting that day at 1230 so that they could break the news to me. I probably cried for about an hour wondering what are my patients going to do because, I, you know, I, I took good care of them. And yeah, yeah. so I uh, then I realized, well, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to have a job in a couple of weeks. <laughs> So uh, as the universe would have it, I got a phone call from the district manager of one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world. And that day that I found out the clinic was shutting down, he said, there's a position open in New Orleans. Would you like to interview for it? So, right. I said, absolutely. I'd love to interview for it. So I got the job and I thought it was my dream job. I've never made that much money Mm -hmm. ever. And yeah, so I, I, I jumped on that and did that for quite a long time. And then something happened. <laughs> it says something. she walked away from her cushy salary as an executive sales rep. So I'm an entrepreneur. I've been in business for myself for over 40 years. And I had one of those moments in 2000, 2001, 2002, where I can't even remember the exact time. But it was like, okay, I can no longer do this. Mm. because it doesn't support who I am in the world. And I suspect there's a little bit of something like that that went on there, right? You couldn't have hit the nail on the head any harder. Tell me about that. So I had this belief that the pills I was promoting were changing lives. I truly wholeheartedly believe that people were living longer and better lives by the work I was doing every day. And I had this moment of epiphany after I watched one documentary, Uh which I highly recommend. Everybody should see this documentary. Which one? The Forks Over Knives Uh, on Netflix. Of course. Have you seen it? Oh, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Well, you talk about change the course of my life. I became obsessed with everything I could learn about that lifestyle because I realized at that moment that the only way to reverse some of the major chronic conditions that we're, we see today is by changing our lifestyle, specifically the type of food that we eat. Mm-hmm. 
And then I realized that the pills that I was promoting, they were not helping people reverse their type 2 diabetes. They were not helping people reverse their coronary artery disease, any of their autoimmune diseases or cancers or anything, really. Mm -hmm. In fact, the more pills people took, the worse they got. Yeah. So that was that moment in time where I said, you know, am I a part of the healthcare problem? Or I am I a part of the solution? And it became very evident to me that I was part of the problem and that was unacceptable anymore mm. to me. Wow. How'd that feel? It felt both freeing that I could actually do something about it and scary as all get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you have to go out on your own. Like I said, I've been self-employed for 42 years. I started when I was 15, so I really don't know the you know, working for somebody else for a great big paycheck. So I don't know what that's like stepping away from that. Oh, wow. Well, I tell you what, it, as an entrepreneur now, uh -huh. that was a cakewalk compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. So you stepped away and did what? So I... This, I started to read a bunch of books and research studies, and I found myself enrolling back in, in nutrition school, and I went to every uh, plant-based conference that I could go to. I met all of the gurus at the top, spoke to every one of them, mm -hmm. and just said, you know, I don't know what the rest of my life is going to look like. All I know is that if I'm going to impact lives in a positive way, it's not going to be via pushing pills. It's going to be via pushing plants. And so I began to figure out, okay, what's this going to look like for me? And uh, I went through all my nutrition courses, and then I decided to get my health coaching certificate by the Health Coach Institute. Mm -hmm. So my passion today is really geared towards helping people suffering from chronic conditions like mm -hmm. coronary artery disease, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune disease, kidney disease, is to help them live better lives and hopefully reduce some, if not all, of the medications, the yeah. pharmaceutical drugs they're taking. Yeah. So one of the things I've been pondering lately a lot is this whole notion of our polluted food system and our polluted environment. And one of the things that I'm concerned about these days is the younger people because we've had really, what I would say, badly polluted food and a badly polluted environment for about oh, 25 or 30 years maybe. So I'm 55, so that represents about half of my life. My mom is is 82, and that represents about a third of her life. And, you know, people like James, my editor here, and Taylor, who does our newsletters, they're, you know, are millennials in their 20s, and they've had this polluted food for their entire life. So how do you think long-term that's going to affect the youngers of our world, and what can we do about it? Well, it's going to have quite a negative effect. We've gotten so far away from real food, you know, from whole food that it, it, it surprises me sometimes when children don't even recognize vegetables. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. And so the, the, the health consequences are significant. There's a study. There's actually two studies that were done post-war, Vietnam and the Korean War. And they looked at the U.S. soldiers who had been consuming uh, a standard American diet uh -huh. uh, for their whole lives. Acronym, and the acronym on that, by the, by the way, is SAD, Standard American Diet. 
That's right. <laughs> sad. And it truly is sad. Autopsies were performed on these soldiers, and what they found in their coronary vessels mm-hmm. was frightening. They 78% of them had significantly detectable coronary artery disease, and of that 78%, almost 30%, it was multivessel, meaning there were blockages in more than one wow. coronary vessel. Yeah. And, and these kids were only 17 years old. And they, we, they even have data now showing that when, once you hit 10 years of age, if you have been on the standard American diet, the sad diet of processed food, fake food, uh, and a ton of animal products, that you already have the earliest signs of coronary artery disease wow. uh, and fatty streaks in your vessels. So you know, sometimes when I present, I look at the, the audience and I say, is anybody here over the age of 10? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everybody Everything. raises their yeah. hand. I said, well, you know, if, if you've been consuming the standard American diet for your whole life, then you're no longer eating to prevent disease. You have to be eating to reverse disease. And that's a pretty powerful statement when you think about it, because, you know, most of us think, okay, I, I'm going to eat to prevent. I haven't had a cardiovascular event yet. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is atherosclerosis, the process of plaque buildup in, in your vessels, it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. So most of us today have to be eating to reverse the damage that we've done. Right. Is that easy to do? I personally think it's easy to do, and the clients that I've been able to help transition, once they get there, they it's so funny, they light up and say, wow, this is a lot easier than I thought it would be. I have found, actually found that to be the case. So my listeners know that I have Lyme disease, and I've been uh, about six, seven months ago, I took on a plant-based diet. Just as an experiment, I'm a I'm a scientist at heart, so I wanted to experiment with that. And I have found that it's actually quite easy these days. And most restaurants will, you know, they have plant-based, you know, products on their menu. Uh, and one of the interesting things that I found is that I'm not ever hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm most always satiated, and I and I don't feel like I'm eating. A huge amount of food so it's it's interestingly it's working for me and it, and it seems to be improving my health that's fantastic I am so so happy for you that you you are feeling better and you found yeah. the right lifestyle that works for you yeah you know and that's really the important thing I you know I have guests on I, I had Jack Wolfson who is the paleocardiologist he, he calls himself the paleocardiologist so he's paleo and so and he you know he's all about that that seems to work for some people um, you know, and what I find that's working for me at this point in my life is, is a plant-based diet. And it seems one of the bonuses for me is I've lost 15 pounds. Oh my goodness. Congratulations. Yeah. How long did it take you? Just six months. Wow. And, and those are the 15 pounds I've been trying to lose for the past 15 years. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, quite a nice side effect of, of this lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I am told that you suffered from anorexia and bulimia at one point. I um, did. And so you, you've been dealing with some health issues as well. And so how has that changed since you adopted a plant-based diet? It, this has been one of the most remarkable uh, things that I, I've experienced uh, once I switched to plant-based lifestyle is, you know, 
what a lot of people may not realize, especially if you haven't battled anorexia and bulimia, is that, you know, the, the I call them the fat thoughts that go on in your head. It's just yeah. like a constant chatter mm -hmm. in your head. You know, oh, Vanessa, you're too fat. Oh, Vanessa, you better not eat that or you're not going to fit into your jeans. And, and God forbid you have to buy jeans that are a size up because then you really are fat. I mean, it's just, it, it used to be constant in wow. my head. Uh -huh. And as you get closer to recovery and then the longer you're in recovery, those thoughts become less frequent and they lower in volume. <laughs> and uh, But they never go away. So mm. it's 10 years I've been in recovery and I still would hear, are you sure you want to eat that potato? Because, you know, you mm. can't be putting on any more weight. Uh, you just you just learn how to not identify with them anymore. Yeah. You just become the observer of them and just, you know, you see them in and you see them right back out, kind of in one ear, out the other type yeah. of thing. But what I noticed when I, when I became whole food plant-based was some time went by and it just dawned on me. I said, you know, I don't remember the last time I had a fat thought. And that was such a revelation oh, for me nice. because I've been living with it forever. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's you deal with it. I, you just learn to live with it. But to not have to have that chatter going on in my brain was was quite a peaceful way to live. And I realized that when you put the right things in your body, it just responds on a physical level, on a spiritual level, on an emotional, mental, all on all levels. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and I call that the monkey mind. Yes, I, I do too. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, and I'm sure that's a term out there. That's the term I've given it. Uh, at one point in my life, about 10 years ago, so that monkey mind used to control me a fair amount, just apparently like it did to you. I turned around and looked at it. I took, turned to my right and I looked up over my shoulder and I said, this is my, pretty much my exact words, shut up. <laughs> the work that I'm doing is much more important than whatever the hell you have to say. Good for you. And interestingly enough, that's over time, you know, it was kind of like, you when you run into the you know it's like i haven't had a fat thought for a while mm -hmm. you know and that quieted it down significantly i actually i i'm a, a half marathon doer i uh race walk them these days i don't run them wow and uh i've done 14 half marathons of the pf chang I'm, they call that a re legacy runner Wow! And this last fall, because of the Lyme disease, I was feeling really beat up and I had this thought and I may have even articulated it to my sweetie Heidi. I said, you know, I may not do the half marathon this year. And the, the, this thought, the monkey mind in my brain, you know what it said? What? The hell you're not. So what I, what I found was that over time, that monkey mind actually has gotten on my team. Wow. So if we can take control of that conversation, things happen like, you know, you have a you know, you have a notion that oh my gosh, I haven't had a fat thought in a while. Mhm. Mm yeah, it's like turning down the volume on one TV so that right. the other TV can have a chance to to yeah. shed the right light on the subject. Yeah. So you said that was 10 years ago. Yeah, it was, November uh, made 10 years in recovery for oh, me. Nice, nice. So and how are you doing these days? Oh, I, I couldn't be healthier and happier. 
and it and I attribute a lot of it to the type of lifestyle. Of mm-hmm. course, I've only been whole food plant based for two years, but they've been a couple of the best years. I've never felt so good. I say, you know, I'm 40 going on 29. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. So there's a couple more things I want to kind of dig into before we transition to the next part of the podcast. And you were in a powerful industry. Mm-hmm. You know, and how that transition from that industry into uh, your business, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, you know, how have your feelings changed over time? And, you know, what did that look like for you? So I got out of pharmaceutical sales and it wasn't at that time so much that I, I, I didn't have the revelation yet that just how poisonous and how toxic that industry was. Mm -hmm. That came a little bit later. Uh, I was starting to wake up a little bit. So, but then I went to, for three years, I was in medical diagnostics. So I sold a, a blood test that could detect coronary artery disease. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and I, the straw that broke the camel's back for me in, in that career was not the company uh, that I was working for or the product that I was selling because both were actually very congruent with my ethics and my morals. Uh-huh. The straw that broke the camel's back was I was working in the hospitals and I began to realize just how sick of a disease care system we live in. It's not a healthcare system at, at, by any means of a long shot. It's, yeah. We live in a disease care system and that's what doctors are trained to do. They're trained to uh, address the disease and the symptoms of the disease, but never the root cause of yeah. disease. And so one day, and, and this is this is a true story I'm about to tell you. Nice. I was in a cardiologist's office, and there was a, a elderly woman who was waiting for her blood test results that was going to tell her whether or not she had to proceed on to the cath lab to have an angiogram. Mm-hmm. And she, I spoke to this woman. She was petrified, Greg. Mm. I mean, just she was scared to death. It's an invasive procedure. Right. But, you know, it's a necessary procedure at times. But when it's not necessary, um, which in her case, it was not, um, it's wonderful to be able to give them that good news. So right. I went, I rushed back to the office and I'm waiting at the nurse's station for, you know, the doctor to go in and give her the good news and to see her smiling face when she came out of the patient room. But that is not what happened. Can you guess what happened? The doctor told her she had to do it anyways. Yes. So he comes out of the patient room. Oh my God, no. And he looks me straight in the eye and he said, you know what, Vanessa? I said, what? He said, I'm going to take her to the cath lab anyway. And after I picked my jaw up off the ground, I looked him in the eye and I said, let me make sure I understand you correctly. What you're telling me right now is that you're going to take an elderly woman to have an invasive procedure that, by the way, has a 1% mortality rate, not to mention side effects, but why? He said, because seeing patients in clinic is boring. That was his answer. Holy. Now, that's not all doctors, let me go ahead and say, because I've known a lot of wonderful, wonderful human beings that were out there doing such good things for patients, you know, but 
that was my experience and mm-hmm. that was all it took for me at yeah. that point i said you know what i have to be the person that gets in front of that woman before she even ends up having chest pain needing to go to the cardiologist yeah. because when she came out of the patient room she scheduled her angiogram right next to me at the nurse's station and i couldn't say a word and that killed me wow and yeah yeah it's like (laughs) it's like what do you even say to that i know i know wow so let's transition to a happy why don't you tell us what you're doing in the world because i want to hear about that Yes, indeed. So I found my my niche as a certified health and nutrition coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I run my practice out of uh, a chiropractic office, Thrive Chiropractic and Wellness, two wonderful people who have given my company, Nutriception, a home and a space to be able to see mm-hmm. clients. I also see clients virtually all over the U.S., all over the world, really, now that we've got this modern technology. And I have coaching programs. I have 21-day jump starts for people that want to get on the fast track. Mm -hmm. I've got 90-day intensives for people that really, you know, need some hand-holding in Uh the beginning and need somebody to go to the grocery with them and help them learn the lay of the land and help them to avoid the whole center of the grocery store. Right, exactly. Uh, and even people are are so appreciative just to have me come to their house if it's a it's if it's a local client uh-huh. and clean out their pantry because it's that's a hard step for a lot of people. Yeah. What are you looking so, to clear out? You you kind of alluded to it, avoid the center of the grocery store. Why don't you say a little bit more about that? So, you know, the center of the grocery store, of course, is where all of the processed food is, where all of the, you know, the, the I shouldn't even say food. It's really not real food. <laughs> right, exactly. At, at all. I mean, you don't see food labels on an apple or an orange or some bok choy because it's real food. Right. <laughs> and so in grocery stores, uh, this is amazing. I, I learned about this not long ago. But, it, you know, tremendous amount of money goes into researching the best way to lure people into spending more money than they Mm -hmm. started out. You ever notice how you go into the grocery store and you don't get a buggy and then next thing you know, it's like you're juggling 50 things in your arms. Uh, There's a reason behind that. So if any of the listeners, that happens to you, that's by design. The grocery Mm -hmm. store designed it that way. So they put all of the process, the most heavily processed foods, which are in the center of the store, are always eye level. A perfect example is the, oh, right. is the cereal aisle mm-hmm. all I mean you just look down that aisle and it, it's, it's all of the processed high sugar cereals are just right eye level popping with color where's the oatmeal mm, right always on the bottom shelf yep yeah. Because grocery stores, they can mark up the highly processed food a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to make more money by customers purchasing that type of food versus a big container of oatmeal, which is far healthier than the cereal. And the cereal stuff. Plus that they, they do the uh, kids cereals at their eye level, right? Yes. Start them yes. early. And then they put the, uh, the milk, even, you know, the, the, either the cow's milk or the, or the soy milk and the almond, all of those uh, are at the very back of the store because the assumption is that more often than not, people are going for milk of some sort. Right. And so they have to walk through the grocery store to get to it. And chances are they'll pick up things along the way. 
Oh my gosh. I didn't, I completely get that. And I didn't know that. Yeah. What other tips do you have that are epic like that? I always tell clients to uh, make out their grocery, to never go to the grocery without mm. a predefined list. Mm -hmm. And I try to, when I'm helping them, I try to make it to where it, it, it avoids that whole center section. So they can just go straight to the produce and then they can start checking off and just it, make a rule and a commitment to yourself. You don't buy anything that isn't on your predefined grocery list, mm -hmm. period. And that's been really helpful for people. So if, if they are lured, you know, towards the processed food, and right. but it's not on the list, you just don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Got any other tips? That's two great ones. In regards to the grocery store? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Stay on the outskirts. Yeah. There's really no reason to go in the middle except if you want to buy some canned beans uh, or some dry beans. And if you do have to go in the middle, um, read every food label. If you buy something with a food label, because the food industry has been able to get away with so many things. And I always give this example because it's, it, it's mind blowing to me, but you remember Pam, the spray Pam? Oh yeah. It used to say fat free. That was like their big thing on the cut on the front of the, the bottle. It said fat free. Right. Well, when you look at the ingredients list, the first thing on the ingredients list is what? Oil. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of a fat-free oil? I have not. <laughs> I mean, it's liquid fat. So it's like, well, how do they get away with that? Oh, and goodness. so then you go to the serving size and you look at the serving size. The serving size is three quarters of a second. That's it. Yep. I don't know anybody that does three quarters of a second, and I don't think they have any internal mechanism to calculate three quarters of a second spray. But if you All make right. the serving size minuscule, well, then you can say there's zero fat per serving size. Interesting. Well, of course, that's just all words. Right. So I, the, the, the next tip that I would give people would be don't believe a single solitary thing you read on the cover of any box. I don't care if it says mm. eight essential amino acids, glue, you know, yep. uh, whole eight grains and all of these things fortified. And don't believe any of it because read. it is simply marketing strategies used by the food industry, yeah. period. Go to the ingredients list. Go, to, go to read the label. Wow. Yeah. So you seem like a very knowledgeable coach. How are you different from other coaches and how do you work with people? I think what makes me different from, because, you know, there's a lot of awesome people out there. Yeah. And one of the things that I feel like that makes me different is, is my experience in big industry uh, and being on that side of the fence and really understanding how these corporations work, how they work hand in hand, and, and just being in that, it gives me a whole different perspective. And, you know, I, I really feel like going through anorexia and bulimia as torturous of, a, of an illness as that is, I wouldn't change it for the world because I, I don't know if I would be the self-aware person that I am today. And yeah. I don't know, you know, what, would I be able to really relate on the level that I can relate 
to my my clients now had I not gone through that. So I think between my education, my experience in big pharma and big industry, and and having gone through some of the battles I've gone through yeah. is what makes me a different type of coach. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. Well, when you say fail, the first thing I think of is is a time when I um, was when I was ill, because the life lesson that I learned from that was just, is just profound and mm-hmm. is worth telling. But Please. I, I had. I got the flu shot because I had to get it for work in order to work in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune disease that it's on the when you sign the waiver to have a flu shot. It does say it at the bottom, you know, warning, this may cause Guillain-Barre syndrome. Uh, I just I didn't know that. But I was one of the, I say unlucky ones, but now I think I was actually one of the lucky ones because I don't know if I would have learned what I learned had I not gone through that. But I woke up one day paralyzed from the hips down. And at this time, I was a pharmaceutical rep in my, at the time, dream job, so I thought. Right. And I was also cheerleading in the NFL for the NFL Saints. Wow. So when I woke up paralyzed and unable to use my legs, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I need my legs for pharmaceutical sales. I <laughs> yeah. need my legs to dance. I, you know, what What am I going to do? And the neurologist, once they figured out what was going on with me, he said, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. What do you want first? I said, well, um, what's the good news? He yeah. says, the good news is you're not going to die. <laughs> like, Okay, well, good Lord, what's the bad news? Yeah. He said the bad news is that the paralysis is going to continue to rise. Uh, by morning, your lungs are going to crash. You'll be intubated because you won't be able to breathe on your own. You won't be able to move anything from your neck down, but you'll be awake and aware and be able to hear and see everybody. You just won't be able to do anything. My, and, my, uh, my jaw's on the floor at this particular moment. <laughs> My, you know, if, if I wasn't laying in the hospital bed, mine probably would have been too. Yeah. Uh, so he, you know, he's a very scientific man, and that that was basically it. He said, "I'm going to have a respiratory team right in, right outside your door, and you know, as soon as your lungs crash, we're we're going to get you set up." <laughs> so, sounds great. <laughs> wow. And you're la- and you're laughing about this now. So there there's an upside to this story somewhere. There is. So the, the once he left the room, I will never forget this moment for the rest of my life. My father, who is one of the most amazing men in, in the world, he put his hand on each side of the silver hospital bed and he looked me dead straight in the eye and he said, your attitude about this will determine everything. He said, you can either lay here in this bed and fight the reality of it by saying, this isn't fair, this shouldn't be happening to me, why me, why now? He said, but that's just going to make you suffer for the entire time. He said, or you can find a way to radically accept a situation that you cannot control right now and have peace about it. And so I thought about that really long and hard, and I said, how in the heck am I supposed to radically accept What's about to happen to me, especially when the doctor told me the paralysis can last for up to a year. 
And so I laid there and I thought about it and I prayed about it. And finally, I, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to offer it up for somebody else. And I said, I'll, I'll do this. If somebody else gets their legs back, particularly a child, I'm willing to go through this. And at that moment, I had 100% peace. And it was at that moment I learned what radical acceptance is because we say all the time, oh, I accept this, I accept that, but we're still miserable about it, right? Yeah. But when, when you're no longer miserable about a situation, doesn't mean you have to like it. I certainly didn't like the situation that I was in, Right. but I couldn't change it. And so rather than cause an endless amount of suffering for however long I had to endure this, I, I found a way to radically accept it. And I was at a hundred percent peace with the situation I was about to go through. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me is shocking, you know, when I think about it. And would you know, when I woke up the next day, I expected to be intubated and not breathing on my own. The paralysis stopped. Hold on. It went away or it stopped moving up? It stopped ascending. Oh, wow. So my lungs never crashed. Mm-hmm. It just it stopped right there. And the neurologist was blown away. <laughs> and he says, well, if this does, I mean, if, if, if it doesn't ascend, he said, I'll discharge you tomorrow. And so it didn't. And he discharged me. And before he did, he said, you know, I'm a man of science, he said. And so I, I don't believe in the M word. He wouldn't even say miracle. He just, I don't believe in the M word. He said, but... Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it because you're one lucky little girl. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I have to believe wholeheartedly that that, you know, everything in life that happens, I, I truly believe it it happens for us. Yeah. Not to not us. Not to us. Yeah. And I look at everything that way. And so why did this happen for me? Well, there's no doubt in my mind, I was meant to learn one of the most valuable life lessons I've ever learned in my life, and that is the art of radical acceptance. Yeah. Wow. So one of the things that one of my teachers, Larry Santoyo, one of his sayings is go out and do epic shit in the world. And one of the things that I look for in my podcast in talking with people is epic moments. And that truly is one of the more epic moments I have heard about. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what do you consider to be your biggest success? My biggest success, I have to say, would be the moment I decided to choose life over death. Mm-hmm. And I, hosp- I put myself in the hospital for anorexia because I was on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I knew that if I didn't do something, um, and I could have easily chosen death because I was that miserable. Mm-hmm. I was truly miserable. Mm-hmm. I And, and fully involved in, cased in my disease and but there there must have been a some some shed of wisdom that was able to break through at that moment and say no i i want to live my purpose hasn't been lived out on this earth yet and i put myself in the hospital and i did the hard work and i overcame anorexia bulimia codependency binge drinking chemical addiction because i was addicted to pharmaceutical drugs wow mm-hmm wow So what drives you? What's your big why? What drives me and everything that I do is the knowledge that people are suffering so much and so much of it is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. The solution is so simple. Just change the way you eat. 
and you can get off a lot of the pharmaceutical drugs that that you're taking. And and because it's such a simple answer, and, and I, I can't stand to see people suffer needlessly. And and then there's also the issue of, you know, the planet and the fact that we do have finite resources mm-hmm. and we are using those finite resources up fast. Yeah. So we're at a critical state where we need we need to do things differently. Yeah, big time. Big time. A big part of why I do what I do is to teach people about that. That's awesome. So I'm all about education. I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process in your life? Yes. The China Study by T. Oh, yeah. Colin Campbell mm-hmm. has been extremely influential. Also... Prevent and Reverse Coronary Artery Disease by Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. And the most recent book, uh, How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. (laughs) Yeah. How Not to Die. Tell me about Mm -hmm. that. Oh, he does an awesome job. He goes into just about every disease state uh, and how it relates to, to what you eat. And then at the end, I love it. He's got 120 pages of medical references. Oh, my God. So I had a... I had a physician that I was uh, a cardiologist back home who was a friend of mine, and I've been trying to kind of get him on board with this because I know that he can help patients reverse their coronary artery disease. He says, but I'm just having trouble finding stuff in the literature. So (laughs) I I got on Amazon and I sent him that book and I said, doctor, your search for data is over. The last 120 pages of this book is nothing but medical references. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Final piece of advice would be to get on the television and watch Forks Over Knives Mm -hmm. because it is life changing. Mm -hmm. And just keep an open mind because so much of the things that we've been told our entire lives have are not truth. And that's a very hard thing to come to realize is, you know, oh, but milk makes your your bones strong. No, that was one of the biggest myths and best marketing strategies by the dairy industry. Milk does not make our our bones stronger. And in fact, milk is the worst thing we can put Mm -hmm. in our mouths for many, many reasons. That that could be a whole nother show. But um, I would just my advice would be to watch that that documentary and keep an open mind and don't believe any hype that you hear on TV about this drug reducing your risk by 50% of that or you know anything that comes out on television that looks like science because it's probably not. Yeah. Yeah, I always crack up with the uh, drug ads, you know, the you get 30 seconds of the drug ad and then 60 seconds of all of the symptoms, you know, all of the side effects from it. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because they say side effects. I say, no, that is the effect of the drug. That's what it does. Welcome to the poison. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Vanessa. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So how can our listeners find you? Uh, My website is nutriception.net. So they can reach me that way and learn a little bit more about me. Uh, Also, my email is Vanessa at Nutriception.net. And they can call me on my business number, which is 219-237-8466. 
And I, I'm so thrilled to be on the show today that I, I'm anybody that wants to call in or email me for uh -huh. a free consult, a 30 minute free consult. I'm more than happy to offer that to your listeners wow. out of gratitude for being here today. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So nutriception is N U T R I C E P T I O N dot net. That's correct. Very good. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org backslash Vanessa. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Greg Peterson here, and I want to thank you for listening to the Urban Farm Podcast. We wouldn't be able to keep doing these great shows without you. So as a token of my appreciation, I'd like to offer you access to a list of our top 10 episodes I personally find most inspiring. If you enjoy the Urban Farm Podcast but don't have time to listen to everyone, then you will love this list. Although all our guests have great information to offer, if you are short on time, these 10 are must-listens. To get access to the top 10 most inspiring podcast episodes, text FARMER to 44222. That's FARMER to 44222. And enjoy listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right. Absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.